Well, good morning, everybody, but good morning to those who are um, streaming or connecting with us in different ways. If I had known we were going to be on YouTube, I probably would have wore a shirt, a shirt, not a jumper. Anyway, it's a bit blurry. Good morning, anyway. I want to talk to you about a story in the Bible that has been in my mind for the last four or five weeks. Um, and it's the story of David and Goliath. And it's probably etched a wee bit more in my mind because my three-year-old son gets me to read the story basically every night uh, as he goes to bed. He is fascinated with the story of David and Goliath. David, a shepherd, Goliath, a giant. Met for battle, the giant was defiant. David had a sling, the Goliath had a sword. The giant had weapons, but David had the Lord. One smooth stone hit Goliath's head. He was sure he would win, but fell dead instead. That is my story basically every night, unless I get in quicker and sneakily get another story in before he realizes I'm in the middle of a story. The story of David and Goliath is found in 1 Samuel 17. And uh, I know our tech guys back there like to put up some verses, but I'm going to paraphrase some of it. So if we put up verses and then I paraphrase it, you might get kind of a wee bit lost in the story somewhere. So You'll have to really train yourself just to listen to me. Two great, two great armies <clears throat> stood each on a mountainside, opposing each other with a huge valley in the middle. On one side of the battle was Saul and the Israelite army. The Israelite army represented God. On the other side of the mountain was the enemy. The, the uh, Goliath and the Philistine army. We're not sure of what the numbers were, but they were two great armies. And it, this was a significant moment. This was a defining moment in the history of the nation of Israel. This morning we were here praying, and uh, Neil and Judith are off in Cookstown this morning speaking. And Neil prayed that... 2020 would not be defined by what we see with our natural eye, but that it would be defined with something beyond what we see with our natural eye. I don't know whether you know it, but even in the midst of what's going on at the moment, every day should be a defining moment. Every day is the opportunity to change history. And how we take our opportunity in our, in our moments and in our days will determine what history, what the future will look like and what history will write about each one of our lives. They came out for battle, but within the enemy's army, there was a man called Goliath. Now, Goliath was nine feet tall. We read that his arm, armor was something special. 
His spear was something special, and his javelin was something special. In, in my short world, because I live in a, a lower hemisphere, he was one big dude. He was one big fellow. But we need to remember who Saul was. Sometimes we forget who Saul was who led the Israelite army. He was over seven foot tall. So he wasn't a small dude either. But anyway. And this giant would come out as the two armies every day would line up for battle both on on each of the mountains or the hillsides with the great valley in the middle. And this giant would come into the middle of the valley where his voice would be projected and he would shout. He would shout and, and goad the, the, the army of God. Come someone who has enough courage. Come someone who is bold enough and see if you can fight me. Give me a man of courage. And we read that when Saul and his army, now Saul and his army had defeated and saw great battles won prior to this. This is not their first battle. God has already spoken to them and told them to go in and take the land, conquer, win the battles. And when Saul and his army heard this, we read in verse 11, if you're following it on your Bible or on, or on your phone or in your, in your Bible, we read that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. One other translation says that they were terrified and they had lost hope. We're, we're living with people all around us I am talking now with people who would have walked past me in the past. Now everybody is talking, searching for hope. People are living in fear because they're not sure what's next. I want to talk a wee bit about fear this morning because fear is expressed many ways in our lives. Fear can rob you of the joy of today and the hope of tomorrow if we allow fear to reside within us. And that's what I like what David shared. We need to worship. We need to remind ourselves who lives within us. We need to remind ourselves who we serve because we forget. We easily forget. And I know we're meant to do it in the morning, but we need to do it at midday. We need to do it in the evening. We need to do it in the night watches when God wakens us. And he would do this for 40 years. And so they were not alone greatly afraid. They were not alone terrified. But this seemed to be something that was going on and on and on and on. Imagine if you were in part of this army. You would have to line up every day and say, right, what's going to happen today? And on day 39, you go back and go, I cannot do another day of this. I cannot go through this another day. You know, hope is the thing that sets us apart as the people of God. Hope 
and courage because hope breeds courage and we have something great to hope in our trust in the Lord in pops to this story a young man called David a young man called David we read about David in the previous chapter where he is this young boy who is part of the house of Jesse. He's got seven older brothers. And when the prophet comes to Jesse's house to anoint the next king, because Saul has abandoned his faith, because, because Saul has erred in his ways, then the spirit of the Lord is, is moving away from Saul. And God needs a new man to become king. And when, when Samuel goes to this house and says, I'm here because God has sent me. I need to anoint the next king. Jesse lines up his prized possessions, his seven, seven sons. And the, the, the prophet goes across them all and he said, sorry, it's none of these. They all look fine. They're all great. I'm sure they're all wonderful boys. But there's something amiss. This is not right. And then Jesse says, but I have one boy. I do have one more boy. He's a kind of a servant. He's the youngest. He's off in the fields. All he does is take care of sheep. And so we see that this overlooked young boy, do you ever feel as if you have been overlooked in life? We see this young boy enters the story. His dad says, your three oldest brothers are on the battlefield. And you know what? If this battle isn't won, it's going to determine what my future is going to look like. It's going to determine what our family farm's going to look like. It's going to determine what our nation is going to look like. Will you go? Will you take some provisions? Leave the sheep and go and uh, see your brothers. And so we see this young shepherd boy, this servant boy, he goes just as his dad says. In verse 20, he says, David rose up early in the morning and he left his sheep with another keeper. I think that's important in this story that David doesn't just leave his sheep but he understands responsibility. As a young boy, he understands what responsibility looks like. And he goes, he's obedient, and does what his father asks. And he comes up to the battle. He comes up to where the battle lines are. And uh, he arrives on the scene to see this deadlock. He takes the bag of provisions and he leaves them with one of the, whoever in the hospitality camp. And he says that he runs up to the battle line and talks with his brothers. He's diligent. He does exactly what his father asks him to do. Can you see all these qualities in this young man? He's obedient. He understands responsibility. He's diligent. And he goes up to talk to his brothers. And uh, 
while he's there, while he's talking with his brothers, because they're st probably standing and going, it's going to be another day of deadlock. It's going to be another day where we're just going to stand here and then we're going to end up going home again. And while he's there, Goliath comes out into the battlefield and hurls his abuse. He shouts out, who is this man who's going to come and face me today? And I think this is brilliant. We read that um, again when, when they, the army of Israel heard this. This is what they did this time. They fled in fear. So they not alone lost hope. They not alone trembled in fear. But now this time. They're fleeing in fear. Fear has such a negative effect on our lives. But David, the shepherd boy, hears the same thing. He hears the exact same words. And while the armies, the trained men of Israel, the trained soldiers... The experienced soldiers, the men of battle, shrink back in fear. The shepherd boy sees an opportunity to display courage. And that's the moment we live in today. We live in where people around us are living in fear. But we have an opportunity to show courage. He asks his brothers, what, do you, what will be done for this man who takes on this giant? He's one cool dude, this, isn't he? Jack, Goliath's one big dude, but David's one cool dude. He just brings up some casual conversation. So if I did, say I did conquer this giant, what would be done for me? And so they tell that he would have the, the daughters, the king's daughter, uh, and riches and everything else. And when Elab, E-L-I-A-B, Elab, David's older bro oldest brother, heard David speak in this way, would he see what fear makes him do? Fear causes him to be jealous. One of the ways fear is expressed in people's lives today is jealousy. And so he says, David, wise up. Go back and take care of your sheep. Why are you talking like that? Maybe Eli saw the potential in David. Maybe he saw that David carried something else. David ignored him. Instead of being put down and feeling depressed and annoyed and suppressed or pushed back, he says, I'm not listening to that. And he goes on to talk to someone else. And David continues to talk and talk. You see, fear is a contagious thing. And it travels, and it usually travels through our talking and what we listen to, and what we think about, because what you think about is what you listen to. 
and how you think one day actually becomes part of your action, becomes part of your model of life. But David is talking, talking. And faith is contagious too. That's what I found. Faith and courage is contagious. If you find yourself lacking in faith and courage, walk alongside someone who operates strongly in it. Don't be afraid to get alongside them. Ask them questions. Be like David on the front line. Get up close and say, well, what are you doing different? The news gets back to Saul. There is a young boy. He's probably somewhere between the age of 16 and 19. And he's talking a different type of narrative among thousands of soldiers. He's asking the question, what would be the reward? This boy could be our hope. It makes me think about the young boy who brought forward his five loaves and two fishes. And said, this is all I've got, but I'm going to give it. And what a miracle happened in the midst of this. And so Saul summons David and said, come, bring this boy to me and let me hear what, who he, let me see who he is and let me hear what he has to say. And Saul, and so he does. And Saul says to David, you're not able to fight this. You're only a youth. You have not trained in battle. You have no idea who you're coming against. David does an amazing thing which we often need to do in our lives. He's, if you're following, we're at verse 33. David reminds not alone Saul, but reminds himself of the past victories God has given him. The past victories were out on the mountaintop, out in the hillside and out in the valley when he was taking care of his sheep. And so he reminds him of these things. I slew a bear. I killed a bear. I've never wrestled a bear. I've heard stories of people who have. And most were severely injured afterwards. I've killed a lion. And not alone killed them, but I went and took what they took out of their mouths and brought it back. I'm not afraid, and I'm not afraid to stand in this battle. The Lord has delivered me, verse 37, the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear, and he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And so Saul says, well, it's worth a shot. Go then and kill the giant. I want to show you another way that fear expresses itself in the next couple of verses. In verse 37 we read, after Saul says to David, go and, and do it. Go and the Lord be with you. He then sort of pulls back on what he has said. And he says, but, but come here. Come here, David. If you're going to do what you're going to say you're going to do, 
then you're going to do it my way. Now, this is Saul who is afraid of Goliath. This is the man who says. And so he puts on, Saul takes off his, his armor, which is huge as well, and puts it on to David. David tries the armor and he says, I cannot go out in these things. I am not tested. God has not tested me. I'm not experienced in wearing this armor. You see, faith operates outside the realms of fear. Fear will try and control you. And if it can't control you in the ways I've already said, it'll control you. It'll say, yeah, go and do it. But do it my way. Faith does not operate on the same level as fear. Faith has its own realm. Faith goes beyond what fear will ever be able to manage. He goes. I was thinking about the last story that I spent months in, the story of Jehoshaphat. And where in Jehoshaphat, in the story in Second Chronicles 20, he, claim, he says these words, Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. At this moment, I'm thinking of Exodus, and I'm, I'm not sure, I think, Jenna, you shared something on it, or felt that you should have shared something a couple of weeks ago, where Moses says to God, when God says to Moses, lead these people out of slavery. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And God says, but what's in your hand? Look at what I've put in your hand. And so we read that David took the staff and he chose five small stones from the brook or the stream and put them in the shepherd's pouch. And off he went. And I probably could hover for quite a while in verse 40 and talk about the brook or the stream or the valley moments in our lives. Because those, while they're difficult, are the moments God wants to give us some precious things. That word brook is translated into stream, valley, and brook. Have you ever gone through a valley season? Have you ever gone through a season where it's like God has set you aside at a brook in a quiet place? And we hear it, we don't like it. But there's things God wants us to pick up in those moments. And I could take you on a rabbit trail and tell you how precious these stones were. These stones were smoothed in the brook. These stones were weighted in the brook so that they would travel further than a normal stone. Travel the same speed as what a gun could shoot a bullet out at from a, a, an experienced slingster or a sling person who did. And so he walks down into the valley. A young shepherd boy from the mountain who has been in the palace and knows how to carry the presence of God, now is walking down 
into the valley. I don't know whether you can, your imagination will, will stretch far enough to see what this looks like. Two great armies, each on each side. They're on day 40, or 41, whichever, I'm not sure, I, my math wasn't all that good. They're like, this is just going to be another day where we're going to turn up and we're going to go back home again. And they're probably slouched across all their weapons, some of them sitting down. And the next thing they see, there's a whisper goes through the thousands of soldiers on each side. Something's different today. Something's happening. There's a young boy, and he's walking down into the middle of the valley. It's like an awakening. It's like something stirring. Can you hear all the instruments? Can you hear the swords starting to, to, to rattle as, they, as the soldiers stand to their feet, as they all turn to a certain direction and their armor clinks one off the other as they, as they whisper and say, look, 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 what, what's going on? What's happening? There's something small happening in the valley. This boy is at a moment where the nation could be changed forever. Goliath also sees this young boy coming. You can see this small, rugged, unarmed guy coming. He's puzzled. And as David draws near, we read that Goliath hurls insults at David hurls insults. Later on, David hurls something else at Goliath. It's not an insult, but it's something precious. Have you come here as Goliath looks on? Who is this boy? You're, you're, you're small. You're on. You're not like anything I have ever seen before. You're not even like what anything... I have expected. What are you doing coming here with a stick in one hand and stones in your, in your pouch? Am I a dog? Are you here to humiliate me in every way? David responds to his insults and says, earlier we've read about the greatness of your javelin and the greatness of your sword and your shield and your helmet. And you might come to me, Goliath, with those things, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Can you hear the narrative change? Can you hear faith starting to rise? This day I will deliver you into the ha this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He is standing out in a place I'm sure he never stood before. But that's what courage and faith will do. And he said, not alone will I defeat you, but all, all the assembly, everyone here will know there is a God in heaven. Not alone that, 
the earth will know who the God of Israel will be. And the Philistine was angry. He was furious. Do you know in that moment before you defeat the enemy in your life, he will be furious. He will come at you with everything he's got. He will come at you, but it is because it's near his end. And David, I love this part. It doesn't say David stood his ground. It doesn't say David walked towards the enemy. It says David ran towards the enemy. He ran towards the enemy. He wasn't passive. He wasn't in this place, well, Lord, do if it's your will. He was in a place of faith and courage. He saw his moment and he ran and he took out his sling and he took out his so he took out his the stone and he threw it at the giant hit the giant's forehead the one space that he knew he had to hit it wasn't just by potluck he hit there this guy was experienced in what god had given i've spoken that before he he was he was trained in the gifts god had given him he he, um, he perfected those gifts. And there's a, there's a call within us that we need to continually perfect the gifts that God has, um, has given. You know, that day, fear moved from the enemy to the enemy. Get your head around that. And why I say that was we read... The enemy, the armies of the enemy, now they're in fear. Fear moved from God's people in that one act of courage to the enemy. And now the enemy is drinking their own medicine. And so they fled in fear. Faith and courage is contagious. The army who stood in fear, the Israelite army, they didn't just stand and wave their swords. They didn't just stand and sing hallelujah, although that is, I love singing that. But what we read next is, they charged after the enemy. They charged, they pursued as the Philistine armies fled. The armies of God didn't just say, that'll do. I'm happy at that. They charged after and defeated the enemy. And so courage, faith and courage are contagious. And the nation, the, the, um, the fate of that nation was changed forever. I don't know about you as I bring this to a close, but there's times in my life I'm frozen with fear. There's times in my life where hope is probably very small. 
There's times in my life where I want to flee because I feel that there could be safety in other places. But what I've learned about in this story is that God calls us to live differently. God wants to use our ordinary and do extraordinary things. He calls us into difficult situations and calls us to live a different way. He causes us to speak a different word. And, he call, and sometimes, sometimes out of that, he asks us to do something outside the norm. David arrived on that battlefield, listened to thousands of soldiers speak the one narrative, and saw with fresh eyes, this is not right. It stirred faith within him. So much so, it changed how he thought, how he spoke, and how he acted. And, um, and so I just ask us that question simply. As we enter defining moments, what is going to be our thought process? Neil ended last week and said, is Jesus enough? Is he enough? Is our thinking on Jesus, on God's way, going to be enough? What's our acting going to be like? Because I like the character of this young fella. He was obedient. He was diligent. He understood responsibility. He understood what it was to carry the presence of God. Because we read earlier, he would go before the king, play his harp, and the presence of the Lord would enter and dispel a tormenting spirit that was on Saul. He spoke, he acted, he did differently. And so there's just that question that I have been asking myself. Which do I operate under? Fear or faith? Am I frozen with fear? Trembling with fear? He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of boldness and courage and a sound mind. We have an opportunity as the church in, in just whatever's happening at the moment. I don't know what the next couple of weeks is going to be look like, but we have an opportunity to speak a different language. We have an opportunity to act in a different way. David didn't do this for the glory of himself. He did this for the glory of God. So people would see there's a God in heaven. We have opportunities, and maybe we'll have opportunities, to take bold steps of courage. We'll have opportunities 
to listen to people's stories. We'll have opportunities to pray. We'll have opportunities to give. We'll have opportunities to serve. And I just pray as we enter a new season that God will plant courage in each of our hearts. That will, you will help us, that faith will grow, that people will know there is a God in heaven. David says, my heart yearns after you. That's where it started for David. Read that in the Psalms. My heart yearns, longs for you. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for this great story that stirs faith within us. A moment in the nation was changed. And Lord, I pray just for the application of your word. Not just for application's sake, but that our minds would be renewed, our thinking would be transformed, and our moments of courage would be fueled as we stand for you. Help those of us Help those of us. Help those of us, Lord, to learn to run. Help us to run. In Jesus' name, amen.